best friend. I don't know about that, but any friend that deals with cats would become a friend of mine. Just saying. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to make it loud. I really don't want to make that actual comment. Today we're back to 1 Samuel chapter 20. Last time we focused on what to do when someone doesn't play fair. And I hope you walked away with the idea that when someone doesn't play fair, we shouldn't play fair in the sense that we don't give them what they deserve. And aren't we thankful that Jesus doesn't give us what we deserve because of his gift of salvation in a relationship with him? Now we're going to continue on with uh, friendship and see what uh, David and Jonathan seem to model for us. In verse 42, summing up chapter 20, it says this, Jonathan said to David, go in peace. That's just not absence of conflict. That's just not no fighting. It's, it's peace. It's shalom. It's a, a quality of life. And again, David, uh, as we're going to see in 20, and see, we've already seen, is, is he's on the run. And he'll be on the run for at least 13 years, give or take some time. So go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. Kind of interesting, too, there is that we see that sworn witness of God means something. Our word should mean something. In a day and age where our word doesn't always mean something, it doesn't hold us to something, we look back to the Older Testament, we see other days where my word is my Bond, yes, and so that's not the case today. That's why we need attorneys. That's why we need to sign things. But there was a day where that was the case. And as Christ followers, our word ought to be our bond even when it costs us something. I heard a story this week of somebody bought a car out of state, and they found out it had some major problems. And believe it or not, the dealership took the car back. Didn't have to. That's a dealership where their word is their bond. Likewise, it should be the same for us. Now, uh, we go on and we have a verse that uh, has some controversy tied to it. We mentioned this a few weeks ago, and I said I'd be getting to it. I'm not going to be heavily into it. I'm going to give you some resources where you can find some more answers. If you're interested in, in doing some backstory work on this, again, today's sermon is not a PG-13 sermon. Sometimes we have PG-13 sermons where you need to uh, realize that. And uh, I always talk about them being a gift because when we do one of those, that gives you some discussion points when you get home with your family, when you get home with your kids. We ought to take advantage of that age appropriately. So even this one, not really PG-13, but there will be some topics I'd encourage you to talk about. Because when it comes to sexuality and our humanness, the place that kids should find these answers first is at home. We ought to be proactive, not reactive. That was a gift for me growing up is that I started to find these things out, not because of somebody writing something on a school wall or a friend saying something that they absolutely really didn't know anything about, but they thought they did. I found these things out at home. And so then when other people would bring it up, I was, I already had an idea. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't know that. Ooh, you know, it, it, the, the wow stuff was minimized. I mean, it didn't go completely away, but it should start at home. Please, please train your kids, even though it's an awkward conversation, that those conversations start at home and you and your spouse are the answer to those questions. And so then when that happens, a lot of times when a kid comes home with some new piece of information, they, they check in with their parents and they, they're a little suspect of what they hear. And a lot of stuff out there is baloney. It's not true. 
not true. So do that. Uh, get permission, even if you have grandkids. Find out if your children have their copies. You may even have to apologize and say, you know, I dropped the ball as a parent. I should have talked about these things with you when you were growing up. Don't do what I did. Talk about it. And uh, there are references, you know, I'm going to point out a sermon that I did that talks more about these things a little bit. But uh, there, there, are, there are resources out there. Um, there's, uh, and I'm going to get it wrong a little bit. Um, it's called, there's a website uh, called The New Drug or something like that, and it's all about pornography and things like that. And it, and it comes from even just a general position, not even a Christ-following position, because there's enough information that it's not healthy even if you're a person that doesn't have any faith. There's all kinds of documentation. So please, again, be the answer person for those discussions. And what manufactures this discussion when we're talking about friendship, and that's going to be the bulk of our message, is this. I grieve for you, Jonathan. This is in 2 Samuel when he finds out that he's passed away. He was killed in battle with Saul. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. And folks in the modern society take that and say there was something going on there. They say that it was more than just friendship. And that absolutely is not true. I'm going to read a couple more passages uh, that are different translations of this same uh, verse and then make a couple comments about it. Um, we also read, uh, you know, here I am distressed for thee, my brother. This is the King James. Uh, Jonathan, very clean, pleasant, hast thou been unto me. They, thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of a woman. We read on, another translation says this, paraphrase, My dear brother Jonathan, I am crushed by your death. Your friendship was a miracle wonder. Love far exceeding anything I've known or everything hoped to know. And I like how Eugene Peterson renders this because he takes that piece all out of it. This was a healthy, healthy friendship. Another renders it this way. Jonathan, my brother, I missed you. I enjoyed your friendship so much. Your love for me was wonderful, stronger than the love of a woman. So what do we do with this? How do we navigate this? How do we answer this idea that's very popular these days in, in secular historical writings of the Older Testament and the story of David, even into some faith quote-unquote, faith-based areas where they open the door to this, it's because they're looking for endorsement of a behavior. And uh, when I say this, I'm not trying to be hurtful to anyone. I apologize. The way the church has dealt with this subject, uh, hurtful, harsh, mean, again. When these ideas come to someone's mind and heart, the first place they should be able to talk with is their parents. And as parents, you ought to have some background, some information. What do I do with this? And I'm going to give you some things. Uh, we have this book called Embodied. I don't have a slide for it uh, in the library. And uh, it just is a really good job explaining some of these things. And, uh, you know, I would encourage you, if you want it, you ought to just go out and buy it, not take it out of the library. You ought to have a copy of this. There's a lot of good resources in there. I'd encourage you to, to get that and read it and understand it. Uh, he has answers that have questions. So um, another, another resource, this just gets you going, is this um, idea of gut questions. And for the most part, they really give good answers. So you just plug in gutquestions.org uh, and uh, David and Jonathan, and it comes up and talks about this with scripture verses, concepts, and all of that. Very clear, good job. So when this issue is, is becoming really uh, paramount and that we needed to talk about it as a church, uh, probably now it's been about seven years ago, uh, we actually came up with a statement. If you go to What's Next, you'll, you'll hear this statement. I'll usually read it just to be clear about it. Uh, it's in our uh, Constitution, in our Statement of Faith, all of that. And uh, so I encourage you to, to get a copy of that uh, if you want it. But here it goes, a lot of reading here. 
We believe that God wonderfully and unchangeably creates each person at conception as male or female, and that these two distinct complementary genders together reflect the image and nature of God. Therefore, we recognize that God created marriage to be exclusively the union of one man and one woman, and that the intimate sexual activity is to occur exclusively within that union. And then at the bottom of our statement of faith, we have a little asterisk that goes down to the bottom, and this kind of explains how we express this statement in everyday church life. This statement does not give SCC an excuse to be mean, hateful, and uncompassionate. If you struggle with same-sex attraction, you need to know that you matter to God and you matter to this church. The real issue is not homosexuality. The real issue is sexual purity. God created sex for our pleasure and for our good, but he also gave us boundaries for sexual purity. Sex is to be enjoyed between a man and a woman within the covenant of marriage. If you're single, sexual purity is not having sex. If you're married, sexual purity is having sex with your spouse and no one else. We all struggle with sinful desires, but faith is trusting God's facts over our feelings. Jesus himself was tempted in every way and overcame. In Jesus, we find the grace and mercy we need to help us in the time of our need. So whatever our temptations, whatever our challenges, Jesus has the answer for us. It takes work, it takes energy, we can't coast, but he has the answer for us. And so we can count on that. You have a couple passages in Romans that speak to just this digression and how it's unfolded. What happened was this, people knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God, that means uh, recognizing God in everything, recognizing him in creation, recognizing him in in our human beings that were made in the image of God, recognizing him in even intimacy, that he set that up for our pleasure inside the boundaries of marriage. Um, you know, to hold, they traded in the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside station. So God said in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you get. In other words, he doesn't force himself on us. It wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen, smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So be it. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even the women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. And I think, uh, I don't know, I don't think you have this in your notes, but if you go to our website, you'll see that uh, last February 2023, uh, we talked about this in depth. And there's a lot of information there, and that's where you'll find the sightings for that book. So, so please take advantage of that. So we're going to switch gears a little. Woo, that was pretty heavy. And now we're going to get into friendships. If you have any questions, any struggles, feel free to come and talk with me, one of the leadership team, uh, talk with one of your spouses. We want to help you in this process. We don't want to write you off. It's not God's preferred will for you. It's disobedience. It's sin, just like Jesus. So I say this with a pastor's heart, with compassion. We want to hear your stories. We want to help you. 
We don't want to condemn you. We want to be like Jesus with the woman who was caught in adultery. I always remind ourselves, where was the man? There must have been a man. They let him off the hook. Shame on them. The man should have been there too if they were going to get after the couple. And God said, you know, I I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. There's hope in that for us. There's hope. It's not easy hope, but there is hope for things for divine good. Let's pray together, and then we'll jump into talking about friendship. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to all of life. It speaks to every situation. Some things need to be unpacked a little bit more. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, we would not uh, impose our own will or our own thoughts when it comes to these subjects, looking for a, a wiggle room, looking for an excuse. We've spent a number of weeks talking about that. Uh, we ask for your help with that. We ask for a sensitive spirit. We pray that our hearts would be soft. And the reality is those of us right now are thinking, wow, I'm glad that's not my sense. We do have a sense. All of us have natural reactions. And so, Father, I ask that all of us would take the same honesty and let you look inside our hearts and see where we fall short. I love John 3.16, but I love John 3.17 where he says Christ didn't come to point a, a, a accusing finger, everybody, but he came to set things right. Would we, as we walk together as a church family, as newcomers, as those kicking the tires of faith, would we find that Jesus sets our life right in every area, slowly but surely as we work out our salvation as we engage in the process called sanctification of integrating what it means to be aligned with you help us with that help us not to get stagnant wherever we're at let us be a growing people we pray in jesus name You borrowed his ladder. Okay, Ron. Okay, now listen. Now don't just don't try to deny it. I saw you walk over there and talk to him. Then he helped you carry it over to your house. Okay. Did you think you could get away with it right across the street? I'm not blind. Trusting, but not blind. It was one time. your door, but no one was home. And by the way, where were you at 10 o'clock at night? Not out borrowing somebody else's ladder. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't have waited till the morning and called me? I thought we had something here. Yeah, we do. I can't tell you how that made me feel. I mean, perfectly good ladder sitting in my garage. You've used it before, and if I recall, you said you liked it. I did. I mean, I, I do. It's a great... His is aluminum. Yes. Mine is fiberglass. Yes, I know. It, it won't conduct electricity, and it's commercial grade. I know. Oh, this is... This is so ironic. You know, I was... I came here today... Because I was hoping we could talk about, about taking the next step. No, I'm, st- I'm serious. I mean, I, I have borrowed everything from your, your cordless screwdriver to your ratchet set, and I just feel like we hit a wall, Ron. I've borrowed your weed trimmer before. Oh, come on, that's a, a three-amp electric. It's not even gas-powered. Those are trinkets, Ron. feel like I'm ready for something more, you know? I want to borrow your mower. <laughs> the deer? It's brand new. I know. I know. I want to borrow your brand new John Deere riding mower. 
Now you're just toying with no, me. No, you, you think I don't mean it? I don't know what to say. Say yes. My heart wants to say yes, but my head makes me hesitate. Listen to your heart, Don. Listen to your heart. I'm not sure. I mean, I... I've never let my mole out to anyone no, before. No, no. Tell me something, Sam. When do you see us in five years? Well, I... <clears throat> I don't know if you're ready to hear this, but... In five years, I could see us recreating together. Don't say it unless you mean oh, it. Oh, I mean it. I mean it. Go to a movie with our wives. Uh, just you and me. Go to a ball game. Golf. Golf? Yeah. <laughs> there are no distractions out on the links, Sam. I mean, it's just the two of us walking and talking. It could take four hours. Sometimes more. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling lightheaded. before, okay? I, this is serious. Well, I'm going to have to think about this. What? I'm just going to have to let what? it settle in a little. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Where are you going? I'm going to go home. I'm going to talk to Nancy about it, and I guess I'm going to sharpen the blade on my mole. Okay. Okay, I uh, see you in an hour. I'll be there. Okay. Oh, hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. Don't. Don't forget these. Close as a hug they're going to get. Next level relationships, friendships. Why does it seem to be so? served in the service or in you know, police work and that kind of a thing, you and your co-workers have a bond and a strength and a I-have-your-back kind of a thing that some of us haven't experienced. But I do know I've had a friend for 54 years. Crazy. Became friends when we were like just before five, four-ish. I'll say five, and he says, oh, it's four, and at church and we've been friends ever since. It's kind of funny, he's got three daughters just like I do. And one of his daughters is getting married this summer and uh, it's just it's just been it's been great. He sees the world a little differently. He's definitely sold out on his faith and we encourage each other and stretch each other. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And so friendships are so so important. When it comes to David and Jonathan, they really had to come to a place where they decided on commitment. And if you and I are going to have a friendship with someone, if we're going to grow, if it's going to be solid, if it's going to uh, encourage us, we have to decide how committed we're going to be. Would we lend our John Deere to somebody or whatever your prized possession is? How committed are you? just bouncing through because friendships are just valuable and yes there means there's going to be risk there's going to be you get let down there's going to be times where it doesn't work out but the the risk is worth it we're not supposed to live life alone in a vacuum if you're a christ follower you're not a spiritual orphan you have others around you so you've got to decide on your commitment level. And the first one is you've got to decide to be available. At one time, this was really a man's issue. But now as both men and women work hard and there's so many things to do, you've got to decide. You almost, you almost have to write off, how much time can I spend being available so I can build friendships? Am I going to do that? 
because without time, it's not going to happen. And, you know, and there's this idea of quality versus quantity. I found, and I'm sure you found, that unless there's quantity, there aren't moments of quality. You can't plan for quality. It's kind of like in a bunch of time, a bunch of hours together, all of a sudden there's this moment of quality. No, and my buddy Dave, again, 54 years, we went off to college together, and you know some of those drives that were 12 hours long, they were supposed to be 17, but uh, we're driving now down to Virginia. Sorry, Dad. But uh, they, we just flew down there, and uh, there were some great events <laughs> that happened in those 12 hours. They wouldn't have happened. You couldn't have just planned a moment. There needed to be lots of time together. So it's hard. Commit to being available. See this with David. When David fled from Naioth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done wrong? We read this last week. What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he's trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied, you are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? They work together. They spend time together. But David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I found favor in your eyes. And he had said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. That as surely as the Lord lives, as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I will do for you. Got to fill it between the lines, but that kind of relationship, even the verses we used earlier in, in Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel, that doesn't happen without time. It doesn't happen without time. And all what I'm saying is true in your married lives also. Just some ship passing through the night in a sense, and it's time. But Paul really talked about friendships with someone else beside your spouse. You ought to be good friends with your spouse. You ought to be your best friend. And it only happens with time. I told you before, I love when Cindy and I have to go someplace and we've got a half an hour in the car. Sometimes we go up to Seneca Falls for a small group, but I think this is great. We got a half an hour, just you and me, till we get to the small group, and we got a half an hour home. We love those times. We cherish those times. You gotta have time. And that's what you're saying. That's only a half an hour. There are other times you go back and you're 45 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Proverbs we read, a dear friend will love you no matter what. And a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. And you get to the point where sometimes your friends are tighter than family. Or they're like family. And being available. So how available are you? Do, do, you, do you cut out some time? Do you make time? Do you take time? We all have the same amount of time. We read this book last year, and it was talking about it. We all have the same amount of time. There are people that do lots more, and they have the same amount of time. What do you do with your time? Are you making yourself available for friends? Also, we need to be committed to understanding, to seeing things from their perspective, not jumping to conclusions, listening watching. Um, sometimes they talk in scripture about doing hermeneutics when you break down a passage and you go to the original languages and you see what the words meant there and the options for translating and the, the, the action to the words and all of this kind of stuff. And so you do this hermeneutics, but you and I need to do hermeneutics on people. We need to study people. We need to study them well. Some of the reasons we do things here at church, the way we do them is we're trying to study people, trying to figure out what connects with them, what doesn't connect with them. You need to, you know, study your spouse. Know what he or she wants and likes and, and, and anticipate it. I told you before, when we first met that first summer, I would get to flag raising at camp. 
And I would get down there, scoot her before she could get down there, and I made sure that I had her coffee all right. She had cream in it those days. I took care of that habit. She had a little cream in her coffee, and I'd be standing there like a puppy dog. Where's cream? Where's cream? Oh, here's coffee. She was the arts and crafts director for the girls' camp. I was the arts and crafts director for the boys' camp. That's a disaster. That's a whole other story. But I always made sure that I ran out of newspaper. So I'd have to go over and get some newspaper for Cindy or, or paintbrushes or whatever because I wanted to go over there all the time. Studying another person. What do they like? What do they like? Dave Lobley and I, uh, I wasn't into sports that much, and sometimes we would set up two TVs. This is in the olden days, side by side. He'd have the hockey game going on, and I'd have a movie going on, and both would be playing at the same time. He wanted to watch hockey. I wanted to watch a movie. Understanding where the person's coming from. So David said, look, tomorrow is the new moon and feast. I'm supposed to dine with your with the king, but let me go and hide in the field until evening of the day after tomorrow as your father misses me at all. Tell him, David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because of an annual sacrifice was being made there for his whole clan. We talked about lying, other sermons. Go back and, and take a look at that. What do you do with that, these guys, these people that are lying? If he says very well that your servant is safe, but if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you, show kindness to your servant and for your, you have brought him into a covenant. That's an agreement. It's not a contract. There's, there's more connection of the heart. There's a, there's a covenant. You're all in. You're just, not, you're just not doing what you have to do. Your heart's engaged in that. With you before the Lord. Again, before the Lord. If I'm guilty, then kill me yourself. My hand be over to your father. They understood each other. They took time to know each other. Remember, crown prince, shepherd boy. Completely different places, but they learned to know each other, and they just would talk to each other. And we don't really see a lot about Jonathan's spiritual level his walk with God but his responses to David indicated he was a strong person of faith remember when a new king would come on the scene any family member from the other king would get wiped out even a cousin a, you know third cousin they would just wipe them out Jonathan is the crown prince and he's supporting David naturally he must have wondered won't David kill me when he becomes king? He has no fear of that. They understand each other. Unbelievable. In Job, we read, To him who is ready to faint, kindness, understanding should be shown from his friend. You can't show kindness unless there is understanding. Even to him who forsakes the fear of the Almighty. And there's this idea that God, it's even this idea that if, if, someone, if someone departs the faith, you as the person of faith, you as a growing person, need to come alongside them and, and kind of encourage them. You don't write them off. New Testament teacher is you, teaching is you, you treat them as someone who doesn't know Christ. But you don't forget about them. You, you don't just... You just don't do that. So understanding should be shown for a friend. Also, there needs to be a commitment to being truthful. Oh, maybe the hardest one. So I have to tell my friend, not everything that comes to mind, but when I think there needs to be a warning, an encouragement, a rebuke, I need to be able to say that to my friend. I need to be truthful. Told you in the past, when Dave Lobley was going to get married, he was, I think, six or eight years uh, after Cindy and I got married, maybe 30, and he had met this girl very quickly, and now they were getting married in months' time, and then I was afraid. At that time, I had known him for 25 years. I was afraid to say to him, 
what are you doing? You've only known this girl for a, you know, a few months, and you're already engaged, and, and he had been very successful in business, so you know, he already had a house, and this is the North Shore of north of Boston. So I'm like, I've heard these stories. These, you know, these, what are they, gold diggers, you know. She's after his money, you know, and all this. So I was a little nervous. She seemed nice, but, you know, get married and everything changes. And so I needed to say something to her. Oh, she's, they're up visiting. He's like, what do you think? You know, we're over at my office. Anyone else was in my, I was as sheepish as I could, but I got it out. If anyone else was doing this in my church family, I would say, whoa, what are you doing? You're rushing. And he goes, I know, Dave, I know, Dave. And he went on his thing, and, and he was right. He was right. They've been married all these years, and they're young. But the question is, why did I hesitate to say anything? Now, some of us have reasons because we'll be brought up something that's very common sense. The other person will shut us down. So they sent us the message, no, I don't want, I don't want you to say that if you're married. You ought to have friends that you can speak into the life, and they can speak into your life. It, it's so important. You see this idea with Jonathan and truthfulness. We're not going to read through all this. I read some of this last week. Um, we read in Proverbs, open criticism is better than hidden love. You can trust what your friend says even when it hurts. But your enemies want to hurt you even when they act nice. Have you ever been snookered by someone? They act really nice, and all of a sudden you discover they've got some plan in motion to, to, to drop you down, whether it's at work, whether it's you know, a family, whatever it is, and there's something, they're after you. And they act nice, but it really isn't true. And then you've got the person that's trustworthy, they're, they're, they're being honest to you, and they say what they think, and it stings, but it might have saved you from some kind of problem. What kind of aura do you transmit to those around you don't say anything to me because i'm just going to let you have it i'm not going to listen my response to you even on things i think are true is just going to be sharp 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 so you have to take it are you going to say oh i've prayed about this so that causes the other person not to be able to say anything i get that all the time oh we prayed about this and sometimes it's yeah okay what is going on here but sometimes it's clear I know you prayed about it, but you're trying to convince yourself, you're trying to convince God that this is the right direction. Don't you want someone in your life who will speak up? Commit to truth. Commit to being loyal. Not blind, but loyal. Are you loyal? Do you step up? Didn't seem like a big deal, but when Dave's dad passed away and we were at least seven, eight hours away, and uh, we went to the funeral. I'd grown up with Dave's dad. He, w he was very surprised just, just that we would make the effort. I cleared my schedule because I know he would do the same for me. If I called him up today, he would get in the car. I don't care what he has going on at work. He would, he would get in the car and come to me. You need to be loyal on both sides. Uh, are you that kind of friend? Because that kind of friend has those kind of friends. N not on every circumstance, so hear me out. Don't, don't be totally offended. But if you don't have loyal friends, maybe it's because you're not loyal. If you don't have trustworthy friends, maybe it's because you're not trustworthy. I, it, it works both ways. Reminds me of this story. Um, Pearl Harbor, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie. And uh, it, it's, you know, I'm not a, normally an emotional guy, but... This story moves my heart. Volume, please. It's not that he's shy. He's just a bad guy. A little unsure of himself. E X X E X E. He's like my brother, he's like my best friend. You've let him alone! Really? When you were gone, it's 
the loneliest I'd ever been. I do want to say something because uh, I want to be a, you to be aware of this. When I show a clip like that, it doesn't mean that I advocate for Ben Affleck's lifestyle. It doesn't mean that I think all Disney movies are good. Actually, if you knew how Disney operated, you probably couldn't watch any Disney movie. Uh, it, it doesn't mean those kinds of things. Uh, last week, I showed a clip from Ellen. It had nothing to do with Ellen. It had everything to do with the car chase. So. So please know that if I, if I show a news clip and someone who's presenting the news has, has a background that uh, is not Christ-following, it's not because I agree with that. I, I wouldn't be able to show any of these things. I actually probably wouldn't be able to talk about David because David did some terrible things. I know he does correct himself, but in our world, sometimes we wouldn't allow for someone to repent and change around. So just realize that if, if I... This is going to really get me into trouble. If I, if I endorse President Trump, not that I'm endorsing President Trump, uh, that doesn't mean I endorse his lifestyle, the way he treats women and his, his married life. If I endorse President Biden, that doesn't mean that I value his view on abortion. doesn't mean any of those kinds of things. So please understand that um, when I do that. It's to, it's to make a point. Uh, we live in a world, and we live in an imperfect world, and if I try to find perfect illustrations when it comes to showing them on the screen, I wouldn't be able to do it anymore. And some might say, well, then don't. But I do believe it's connected to the story of people's lives, and that's worth highlighting. But in that Pearl Harbor movie, it's a long movie, so you can't stand it. It's like three hours long. But uh, in that movie, just th there's a friendship these two guys have. It's unbelievable. They are completely loyal with each other. And that just, it just, it just amazes me how loyal they are through all that uh, they go through. So again, Jonathan was committed to David, and David was committed to him. Jonathan has the upper hand in the beginning of their story. At the end of the story, we're going to see that David has the upper hand. I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that means something, that I will surely sound, sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he's favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? He is loyal. We talked about the reaction, talked about the, 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 the uh, spear being thrown. He meant to kill, that Saul meant to kill his son, Jonathan. But again, he was a bad shot, right? We read in Proverbs, some friends are fun to be with. They come and go, but a true friend can be better than family. Think about that. You have those fun friends, and they're fun. But then there were those friends that can be better than family. I have some friends that are honestly tighter with me than my brothers and my sisters. That's the way it is. They would come to my rescue, but these other friends would come to my rescue probably a little quicker. So do you have loyal friends? Are you a loyal friend? Oh, I can't be that. Remember, I had a friend dying of cancer, and uh, it's just about the time I broke my back. He wanted me to come out and do his funeral, and uh, he was 80, and he was oh, a great friend of mine, great friend of mine, and uh, I told him, I said, Larry, I can't do it. I can't get in a car. I can't drive all the time. He goes, you just wasn't getting it. I'm like, I broke my back. I'm like in a thing, a plastic shell, and 
And, uh, but I, I, I kept saying to Cindy, is there any way we can get out there? You know, we would get a station wagon and have me lay out in the back and just drive along for six hours. You know, I don't know. Uh, so but fortunately, I realized, wait a minute, I can just do a video. So I did a video, and they were able to show that at the funeral. But I, I wanted to be there, drop everything to be there, to be there. Also, David and Jonathan had a committed, they committed to a shared love. It was a two-way street. They were there for each other. In these situations, you don't keep count. It's like, oh, that person did five good things for me. I've only done three good things for them. I better do the same. It's not that kind of thing. I hope you don't do that in your marriage. I hope you don't do that in your relationship. It just kind of naturally, organically works out. Uh, sometimes I, I like to tell my kids when they were young that uh, they have streets named after you one way. And uh, I say, now they just now I tell them that and they don't laugh at all. But uh, I, you know this whole idea. But it's supposed to be mutual. It's supposed to be both ways. And uh, you know we need to have that. We need to have both way relationships. And it isn't even peers with my age. Uh, these are my uh, three nephews, my sister's boys. Uh, not right now, but this is them a few years ago. This is them today. There they are. And this is the two oldest. Uh, and uh, I realized the other day that the oldest is on your left, I believe. Nope, right. Uh, on your right. Um, he's going to graduate from college this year. And we have, um, over the last four years, we've read four books together. We read them all, we read them, and then we talk over the phone. And uh, I'm doing the same. That's Ben. And I'm doing the same with Liam. He just graduated from high school, so this is his freshman year. We're investing in each other's lives. And it's, it's not a one-way street. I take so much joy from them. And they, they, they help us. They're coming out for uh, Hannah's wedding, or Ben is, and he's going to take care of getting my parents back and forth. They, they help us. It's a, it's a two-way street. I encourage you to have two-way street relationships. Jonathan makes his covenant. David affirms his oath uh, because he loved him as he loved himself. Big statement there. Do you love others as you love yourself? We know. We know. Does your spouse know that? Your close friends know that? Do you sacrifice for the other person? Because it's not a just one way. Only you can answer that. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. We sharpen each other. It's a two-way street. We need to have people going in the same direction. It needs to be a mutual love, a mutual kindness. And this is not rocket science. And some of you are getting very nervous here. Oh, boy, I hope I don't sound that interesting. And... Uh, be a friend to have a friend. Be a friend to have a friend. Next week, we'll take a look at number, there's two other points of applying this idea. But be a friend. And I want you, as you look through the Think It Over section, as you digest today's message, ask yourself, how do I fare up on this? If you really want to be brave, bet you won't do it if you really want to be brave ask your friend am i loyal is it a mutual love am i committed ask them all those questions and you'll get hopefully a truthful answer now i want to say to be a friend to have a friend you can have a friend in jesus i almost had the worship team come back and sing what a friend we have in Jesus because that's the starting point I want to say I'm a better friend because of Jesus in my life I'm much less selfish I didn't say I'm not selfish at all but I'm much less selfish I'm a better husband as I follow Jesus so if you've not said yes to Jesus if you're not saying yes to Jesus on a regular basis because you're spending time with him, and you're going, yes, I need to adjust them. Yes, I need to be, this, this is going to be tougher. 
David has a man after God's, is a man after God's own heart. He's saying yes to God all the time. So if you have not begun a relationship with Christ, I, I would encourage you to pick up this uh, little brochure called Knowing God Personally. You can come see me, the people up here. Also, this uh, How Good is Good Enough. Pick those up, read through those. Um, talk to me, talk to someone, because it would be nice for you to settle that so you can walk into your relationships with others, loving God, and that can change everything. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Again, wherever we are at, we ask that we would have a soft heart. Help us to be a friend. And the payback is that we get friends. Might take a little time, but help us to be that kind of friend. And we're thankful that we can have a friend in you that is perfect, that is absolutely true, that is absolutely loyal, that is loving, is really one-way street towards us. We thank you for that. May every person leave today in an attitude, in a submission, in a I surrender all by saying yes to Jesus. We ask all of this in your wonderful name. Amen.